Father, it's good to be here. It's good just to look around at friends, those that we know, those that we're coming to know, growing to be friends with, those that we don't know too. And yet we gather, and we gather before you because we want to say that you're our God. We love you because you first loved us. And we're your people because of the work of the Lord Jesus. Now as we come to your word, Father, we pray that you would feed us. We pray that we would learn more. We pray that something of what John is communicating to the first readers here would ring true for us. It would do whatever it has to do in our hearts. It would teach us, it would train, it would rebuke, it would correct. Father, it would encourage whatever it has to do. Please, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that receive and then lives that are determined in the power of the Spirit to go and live, live it out. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me add on my uh, welcome uh, to Johnny. My name is uh, Ian, uh, one of the leaders with Johnny of Town Church. Uh, it's a good day to be here. It's a great day. Uh, it's a good day because we're in the middle of a series where John is talking about assurance. What does it look like for the first readers of John's letter, not John's gospel, the same author, but John's letter to a group of Christians who are trusting in the Lord Jesus. And he wants to give them assurance because we're right at the heart of his book where things are going wrong, where he's pointing out where the false teachers are getting a hold of the people. So here's the series title. We're calling it Walking in the Light. John has already said uh, about those little cards. Please take one, look at it, try and memorise the verse. Uh, would be great if we memorise one verse per sermon series uh, as a church. It would be great. So we're walking in the light. Here's a strap line. Finding assurance in, a, in an atheistic world that leads to unity of the church and demonstrated in a deep love for others. And so the passage that we come to, to the, today, this afternoon, here's the focus. John is saying here's the absolute truth. It's the absolute truth. Therefore, do not be deceived. He's urging his readers to continue to walk in the light. To walk in the light, why? Because he is light. Walk in the light as he is in the light. So here's the first question for you today to ponder. Are you walking in the light? This week, have you walked in the light? Here's the pressing danger on all of us. There are those individuals and culture who desire to make you walk in darkness. It's different from John's day, uh, but we'll look at the similarities as we go on. The pressing danger, there are those individuals and there's the culture that we're living whose desire it is to make you walk in darkness. So, town church, will you continue to walk in the light? Look at verse 26. Let's jump there. Because this is why John is writing uh, this section. 
Here's exactly why John is writing this. Verse 26, I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray, those against God, their identity and desire. There's verse 26, I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. That's it, he's hitting the nail on the head. This is exactly why I'm writing what I'm writing, says John. And we're going to look at this in two sections. First of all, first point, 18 to 23, we're going to look at those who are against God, their identity and their desire. And then we're going to look at those walking in the light, their identity and call. I pick up uh, a few emails um, from Christian organisations. Here's one that I received earlier. It's from Premier praise the radio station Uh, and this was the title seven dangers facing your church right now now there were way more than seven dangers of course but as John writes to his readers there's a very specific danger Uh, and as we read God's word one John write to the readers here it's quite incredible that As John writes centuries ago, what is going on here in 20th century is completely relevant to first century text. It's God's word. Look how God does this through his word. So where there's, of course, differences, there's huge similarities. First century text has incredible 20th century relevance. So let's try and dive into these verses. Let me ask you, before we go into verse 18, how do you think Christian faith is doing in the contemporary world? How do you think it's doing? How do you think Christianity is doing in Bista today? Down your street in your workplace, how do you think Christianity is doing? How would you rate it? Is it doing well? Is it doing poorly? The Bible is not mainstream currently. Perhaps it's in most houses in Bista. Perhaps. But it's hidden. At best, children's stories are read. At best, a gift maybe at christenings. And maybe over the last 20 years, more than ever, We're becoming a consumerism culture in every single sense. And so people are not asking, is it true anymore? Is Christianity true? They're more asking the question, does it work? Does it give me what I want? Will it do what I desire? I was in Hull last night. Uh, We were at a sports quiz and I was given a, um, a, a a very short evangelistic talk. Uh, and an old boy came up to me, he must have been about 75, and he patted me on the shoulder and he says, oh, thanks lad, great talk. He wasn't Scottish, if that was sounding a bit <laughs> Scottish. He's from Hull. Um, so he, but he said, thanks lad, great talk. And this is what he said, but it doesn't work for me. I've tried it. That's what he said. I thought, wow, that's fitting. And I asked him why. Why? Why doesn't it work for you? It doesn't give me what I want. He said, 
And the conversation went on uh, to something else. You see what's happened in our culture? We've moved away from objective reality. We've moved away from absolute truths. We've moved into subjective desires. Our whole culture has moved from what we used to value to values that we drive through, values that we think work for us. And it's all about the feel-good factor. And here's the temptation for Christians too. The temptation for Christians is, I'm signing up. I'm going to be a part of that church. I'm going to come here if it cheers me up, if it ticks my box, if it works for me. David Jackman says, we've changed theology for therapy. We've changed truth for testimony. And we've changed fact for feeling. None of those things are bad things. But you see how the balance has shifted. Our personal experience becomes the standard for how we measure truth. And this is what's happening in 1 John. It's exactly what's going on. Controversy over the nature of Christian truth and experience. So look at verse 18 with me. Dear children. Remember in the first week, We said, right, if there are two headlines of John writing to give assurance to the Christians, here are the two headlines. He's all about his people. So he's a master in pastoral care for his people. He's all about edification, building up of the church. He's all about his people, but he's going after the propaganda of the false teachers. He's saying, take care. Let me give you assurance, but take care. This is what's going on within the church People and propaganda, the two P's that are the big themes of John. Dear children, we see it again, it's all about his people. The word children there, it's not children, little ones. We've said goodbye to. Some of us breathe a really big sigh of relief when that happens, when they all wander off to junior church and to crash. It's not little ones. It's all. It's all involved in the church. And here's his drive in verses 18 to 23. Those against God, look at their identity. See in verse 18, dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. See this word Antichrist, it's a strong word. There are people that are not teaching truth, but this is a strong word. And as soon as I hear this word, I go to some apocalyptic beast. I go to some, whoa, what does this big antichrist that John talks about in Revelation look like? And John doesn't mean that as he talks about the false teachers. Because this word antichrist is simply a reference to those who are teaching against the true identity of Jesus. So perhaps we would call them aggressive atheists today. Those maybe who knows, within the church, who are trying to teach in a very subtle way that Jesus is not who he is, who John says he is, who the Bible says he is. Aggressive atheists. And we know that the person of Christ has always divided people. That's the process that has been happening since Jesus died and rose again. And and funny that... John uses this word, the last hour. This is really it. It's since Jesus was ascended up until he returns. The last 
days, the last hour. This is his reference. We're living in these times where the person of Jesus divides people straight down the line. We thought the Brexit referendum had divided opinion of people in this country. The man Jesus has been doing it for centuries. And here's the reference to that dividing of people for centuries. The last days, the last hour, from Jesus' ascension straight right up to when Jesus comes back. Here's their identity. They're against Jesus, who he is. And look what they've done, verse 19. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Think back in 1 John. We learned that Christian community is a fellowship of people having fellowship with God and one another. And here's the sign of these false teachers. They went from us. They were not in fellowship with us or in God. They left not to create a new denomination or not just to church hop. They're rejecting the essence of Christianity and therefore they've left. They've separated themselves. They've gone, but their lingerings of teaching still remain because John's going after it. They were a part of us, but they weren't really of us, John said. They were amongst us, but them going showed that none of them actually belonged to us. I remember receiving a text a couple of years ago from a young lad who had been part of church, he'd been part of a, a gap year that I was helping to run uh, at Christians in Sport. Uh, and his text, pretty much out of the blue, it said, hey, how are you doing? Hope you and Carrie and the family, little ones are well. Um, got some news, we're in the, um, in the army now, I'm off to Afghanistan. Uh, and then he wrote this in his text. He said this, as you're probably aware, I no longer call myself a Christian. Honestly, I think it's nonsense. I've been living a lie the past 10 years, convincing myself I believed in God. Had experience of that? Close friends? family members, perhaps even leaders of a church you've been involved in. <laughs> no, I think it's actually nonsense. And so they leave. Now, uh, of course, my friend, he wasn't a false teacher. He wasn't leading a church. But people walk away. They walk away from the truth. And John is saying, they've gone. And were they really a part of us anyway? John says, no. They weren't. Look at who they were. Antichrist, let's call them aggressive atheists. Look at what they did. They separated themselves from the fellowship. And look at their desire. In verse 20, we see indirectly what their desire is. Verse 20, look. You have an anointing from the Holy One, John is saying. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. So indirectly, we can understand here, here's the contrast. You have had anointing. But the false teachers, they've been saying that there's a greater anointing. There's a, a better anointing. 
Yes, all right, start with Jesus. But, but really, look at what they've said about Jesus. They deny who he is. They deny that Jesus is the Christ. And so by doing, they deny the Father and the Son. Uh, they're denying that the Lord Jesus was divine, was God. And therefore, they think something else is needed. Therefore, they think that some other anointing, by the way, that John is driving through this anointing point, and we'll pick this up again, that something else is needed. That Jesus is okay, but he's not all. And you see John goes after them. No, 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 verse 21, I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist. Denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. John is saying, do you see? No other anointing, no other special experience you need. You know the truth. And they came to take you away from the truth. Deny, see that word three times. Deny, deny, deny. They think superior knowledge and experience has to happen to continue to lead to salvation. I remember a friend grabbed hold of me when I was a young Christian. And he said, Lanks, as soon as Jesus is not enough for you, you will go looking for other things. As soon as Jesus is not enough for you, you will go looking for other things. And by that he meant other truths or other experiences or other things that would assure me that what I was trusting in was true. I wonder if you need to hear that this afternoon. As soon as Jesus is not enough for you, is he? Is Jesus enough? If he's not, you will go looking for other things, other experiences, other truths. Some might say, I'm okay with God, but not Jesus. And John says, no, 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 no. Don't come to the Father except through Jesus. How did it go so badly wrong for these leaders? What were they trying to do? What were they trying to achieve? Some commentators said it was just a desire for power, a desire to lead. But we're not sure. There's the false teachers, those who are against God. There's their identity and desire to take people away from the truth, to say that they needed more experience, another anointing. What does it look like really for us at Town Church Vista? I mean, is it realistic that we're looking for teachers within Town Church that could take us away from the truth by teaching us other truths or extras or you've got to experience more and more to be a, a, a second class Christian or even a, a first class Christian means a better experience than those in second class. I want to brush over it and quickly say, well, hey, 
I think with him, me and Johnny, we'll be all right. And with Gleds, his treasurer, and looking after us. But I want to stop. I need to stop. Because this is why we always say God's word is our measurement of truth. And this is why you, the people in town church, must always measure what God is saying to what we're saying. Don't just think that Lanks is all right, he's a good lad. Johnny, when he opens the Bible, he's all right, he's good. Keep testing what we're saying to what you're reading. Otherwise, who knows? You've got that right. We'll keep teaching the Bible. We won't just throw a thought, what we think is good, what we think you need to hear, town church. We won't just give you our wisdom. We won't give you our ideas. We'll say, here's God's word and we need to teach it. We believe it's truth. It's truth. And we're trying to do our best to apply it. There's one application for us. Second, in a world of relativism, where friends and culture say, well, whatever works for you, crack on. How hard is it to stick to the truth? When a friend who you're trying to share Jesus with says, good for you, but not for me. This is what I think life's all about. This is what I'm following. How hard is it to stay to the truth, stick to the truth and not be pulled away by the culture? Yes, it's different application from what's happening in John, but perhaps more realistic for us to consider and think through. Where am I tempted to move away from the truth, to go on to greater and better things even in my desire to experience more of God? And we come to the second point. John says, for those walking in the light, here's your identity and your call. Let's look at call. Verse 24, you'll see this word three times remain in verse 24 and 27. Let me read verse 24, then 27. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. Verse 27, as for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. That's four times. What's our call? Our call at Town Church is to remain in Christ, to stay, to remind ourselves, to be rooted in the truth. Verse 28, he uses the word continue, therefore continue. And we're able to remain, that's our call, we're able to remain and continue because our identity has been changed. You see that? You see in verse 27, the word anointing, it does appear three times. And back in verse 20 as well. Verse 27 again is for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. You do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, what does this word mean in the Bible? What is this anointing? And the word anointing in every single sense, it's referenced when Jesus is given the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Spirit in his life. 
as Jesus and the Spirit teach and live and point to his cross and his resurrection. The anointing is the giving of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Spirit in the life that trusts him. There's great encouragement here. If you are a Christian, you only know the truth because the Holy Spirit has moved in your mind. You only know that it's true because the Spirit motivated your will to trust in Jesus. You wouldn't have become a Christian unless the Holy Spirit had moved, unless this anointing had worked. The Spirit is the permanent presence, the dwelling place, the permanent fixture of the Lord Jesus in your heart. So you see what John is saying. Those walking in the light remain. And the reason why you're able to remain is because of your anointing. It's because of the work of the Spirit within you. That's the Spirit's job. That's the Spirit's role. To bring about new life. And now, to enable you to live it. The Spirit's role is to bring you new life. And to enable you to live it. Call and identity coming together. You see, the truth we received when we very, the very first time we understood it, that truth we received was a part of our experience, our anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's when those two things come in, the call, one hand, call here, and anointing here, experience here, truth here. It's when truth and anointing come together. I heard the truth, God's word proclaimed or told me by a friend, the gospel, and it was then the Spirit's anointing that brought that experience of trust. I now trust. And you see, John is saying here that the truth is the best protection from those wanting to take us away from it. Do we at Town Church need anything more? Do we need any more experience? Do we need to run after other things? John says no. I've written that in capitals. Didn't take me long. Two letters. John says no. I remember growing up, there were all sorts of fads, Christian fads. This is the place where now we're going to receive more of the Spirit. Off you go. Go, let's go there. I remember the Toronto Blessing was a big, big deal. What would John say about that? Do we need that? Do we need more experience? John says no. You simply need the truth and the anointing that's already come and remain in that. And his life is ups and downs and ups and downs and downs and ups and downs and ups. What does life look like to continue walking in the light? It's remaining there. It's remaining there and letting the truth as it's taught, as we remind ourselves of it, to affect how you walk. The Spirit's there to make you more like Jesus, to enable you to walk, remain in the truth. And as we finish, quickly, look at the result. Verse 25. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. We remain in truth with the anointing that we've already received. What 
is the future? Eternal life. Look at verse 28. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Eternal life, where now I can stand confident, unashamed before God. Why and how? Only because of the Lord Jesus. But I've walked in the light. The lights expose me time and time again. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, hey, I've got to confess sin all the time. That's what walking in the light does. That's what the light does. It exposes me. So I keep coming to the cross and saying, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. Your truth is what I remain in. Thank you for the anointing of the Spirit that keeps convicting me of wrong and enabling me then not to sin. Town Church, how do we continue? Remaining in the Lord Jesus. We continue in truth. We continue understanding that that anointing has taken place. And perhaps for you, you're saying, hmm, I'm not sure whether it has for me. We love to continue that journey with you. As we try and help you understand the Lord Jesus and what he's done and what he's done for you. So that the spirit comes and dwells in your heart. The anointing as John calls it. Convicts you of your need of a saviour. And then enables you to go and live that out until eternal life. There's the reality. And until we stand before him confident and unashamed because of what the Lord Jesus has done but because also I've walked in the light till my very final breath. I'm up for this journey. I know we're 16 weeks in. We'll continue counting down the weeks, counting up the weeks. But I continue to say we're up for this journey until he calls us home or until he moves us on to another town or city. Let's keep walking in the light. Let me pray. Then I've got a question um, that we'd love to uh, spend a few minutes just chatting before we sing um, to close Um, The question will be on the screen. Let me pray first. Father, thank you for um, this glorious truth. But before we get there, there's a a word of warning as we see the false teachers. We see their desire. We see who they are. We see what ultimately happened to them. As we try and apply that to ourselves, Father, please help us to be mindful of the things that would take us away from the truth. Small things, perhaps, or larger things. Lord, help us to be a church that continues to, when hearing people speak of you, help us to be a church that continues to measure what is said up front to what you're saying in your word and never take that for granted, never uh, let that lie. Help us to be rigorous in that. And Father, we also ask that you would help us to continue walking in the light as we understand our identity, been anointed, we've been transformed by the Spirit, and we understand our call to remain in you, remain in what we already know, remain in what is true. We need your help in every single way. So Father, we ask for your help, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.